Hey guys, what's up? It's Lisa, and you're listening to What's Next with Lisa. Today is Friday, November 12th, 2021, and here we are, the second week of my little book club that I've started, I guess, for my book that's coming out, or is out. Um, And today we're going to be talking about chapter two. I'm really excited to get into this with you. If you haven't listened yet, go back to the last podcast. I went a little bit more in depth on chapter one and talked about that. If you don't know about the book, um, I have a book out. The e-reader version is out right now. You can find it on Amazon. Um, You can find it at bookbaby.com. Just search the title. It's going to be great. It's fine. I'm fine. A Survive and Thrive Guide um, by Lisa Scott, LPC. I am so excited slash nervous slash all the feelings, all the things um, for everybody to read this. The paperback version comes out December 1st. Um, You can pre-order it now on Amazon uh, and Barnes and Noble and on BookBaby. The e-reader version is out. It came out November 1st. Although I'm told by the publisher a few days ago that for some reason there's a glitch and the e-reader version got taken down from Amazon, but I'm also told that that is going to be up and running in the next day or two. So if you're trying to get it and you don't see it on Amazon, that's why. But trust me, I'm emailing them every day to get that going again. Um, If you have questions about what you're reading or you want me to discuss something um, on the book club podcast, email me at what's next with Lisa at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at what's next with Lisa. Um, And I'll take your questions there. I'm looking for feedback. I want to make sure that you guys are getting a good experience out of this. I wrote the book to be a less than two hour read to really start to stimulate some real change and thought process and self-awareness and all the things. So with that being said, if you're reading the e-reader version, I'm excited. Um, If you're waiting for your paperback version, it does look like Amazon picked it up for Prime, so you should have it December 3rd or 4th-ish. That being said, let's get to it. Chapter 2. Chapter two is titled, Shame Always Equates to a Negative Return on Investment. And if you've listened to the podcast, you know that I equate our thoughts and feelings to have, I shouldn't even say equate, I think they have more value than money. So we need to invest them wisely. We need to invest our thoughts and feelings and our you know, internal dialogue in a way that gives us a positive return on investment, just like we would expect for our money. And I think that our feelings are even more valuable than money. And this chapter is all about people that I come across in my life, in private practice, in my own life, that feel like um, they have to shame and blame themselves to kind of hold themselves accountable. And people feel like if they're hard on themselves, well, then they're going to hold themselves accountable and do better the next time. And right in the first paragraph, I write, um, I say, I couldn't disagree more. And I know both personally and professionally the cost of shame. It erodes your connection to your innate worth. It sets you up to fail almost constantly. And it robs you of a place of acceptance and unconditional love for yourself as you navigate difficult things. Shame is something that 
I feel like people often project onto themselves without really even realizing they're doing it. It's one of those things where we just get on autopilot when we mess up or hard on ourselves. And so we basically shame ourselves and we get really hard on ourselves. And our internal dialogue is a negative one. And we say things like, oh, you're so stupid. You're such an idiot. You know, I can't believe you messed up again. And all that does is drive you further down into a hole that doesn't feel good. It makes it even harder for you to get yourself out of it. And, you know, that can be with big things in life. It can also be with little things, little things in life. Like, you know, you accidentally throw something away you didn't mean to in a rush to get out the door in the morning. And you say to yourself, oh, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I did that. Well, while it may be sarcastic and kind of flippant in the moment, you have to remember that your brain is always listening. It's listening to what you're telling it. So make sure you're saying nice things. Meet yourself with compassion. Support yourself through hard times. And, you know, the example that I talk about in the book is I I say picture that you have um, a friend who wants to lose, say, 50 pounds. And every day you look at them when you see them and you say, God, you're fat and you're kind of ugly. And that's probably why you're still single. Um, How long do you think that friendship would actually last? And how motivating is that really? Now, I want you to think about that same friend. And every time you saw them, you said something like, hey, I know you're not where you want to be, but you're going to get there and you're doing great. Which one's motivating? Which one's shaming? I hope you pick the second one. And, you know, the reason I use like picture a friend, for example, is because oftentimes it's a lot easier for us to picture, you know, what we'd say to somebody else. And it's we're a lot more giving of love and support to other people than we are ourselves. And the point of chapter two is to really get you self-aware and to get you thinking about how do I talk to myself? Am I talking to myself like somebody that I love and want to support? I mean, do I give myself the same love that I so easily give to others? Or am I really hard on myself? And a lot of that starts with your internal dialogue. So how you speak to yourself in your quiet moments. How connected are you to your worth? You know, how are you hyping yourself up and being compassionate with yourself in those moments? And You know, before people say, well, yeah, but if I'm not hard on myself, who's going to be? And then how do I hold myself accountable? I would tell you that you hold yourself accountable and you can still do hard things. You can still correct mistakes, but you lead with love for yourself and encouragement, not shame and insults. Um, On page 41 of the e-reader, I write, meeting yourself with compassion and softness doesn't mean you can't hold yourself accountable and do hard things. It just means you cheer yourself on throughout the process rather than emotionally abuse yourself. I mean, it's kind of a simple concept, but at the same time, you know, negative internal dialogue and thoughts and patterns are oftentimes so ingrained in us that it's an emotional pattern that we've come to almost rely on without even realizing it. And so what I would challenge you to do is say, first of all, catch yourself in those moments and say, okay, changing this emotional pattern. Now, what can I say that encourages me? So for example, say you, I don't know, say you messed up and you forgot what time you were supposed to meet a friend, right? And so you accidentally ghosted them without without meaning to. So you've got, you know, two options, right? Shame and blame 
or love and encouragement. And so maybe you're ingrained to say, like, if you made that mistake, like, God, how could I do that? I'm so stupid. I've got so much on my plate. I can't even remember to meet my best friend. Jeez, what kind of a friend am I? That would be an example of shame and blame. Now, um, an example of holding yourself accountable with love and support might sound like, oh my God, I have so much on my plate. I completely forgot to meet my best friend. Oh my gosh, this is tough and I'm feeling really bad. I'm still a good person, so I need to call my friend and apologize. And maybe I, I need to like go a little softer on myself and reevaluate all I have on my plate and reschedule our meeting, right? So do you see the difference? You're still holding yourself accountable. As a matter of fact, the love and encouragement one actually has some action steps in it to get you to change, right? And to do something different other than just beating yourself up. And so that's kind of like, I mean, the the main theme of chapter two, right? Because when you are consistently shaming yourself, I think oftentimes without even realizing it, like I said, you create this pattern of getting comfortable feeling less than and then hiding behind that shame and even comparing yourself to others. And one of my favorite quotes, I think, of the whole book um, is page 41 still. I said that when you compare yourself to others, you are settling in a sense for half a life. Sometimes shaming yourself is a coping skill you picked up along the way to hide from potential failure. Because if you don't try, you can't fail, right? That is half a life. Failing is a part of the dance and it allows you an opportunity to find out what you like, what you don't like, and who you are as a person, not who everyone thinks you should be. And I just feel like that is such an important lesson and it's such an important slash valuable thing to put into practice each day for yourself. And it doesn't mean you're going to come out of the gate and be perfect at it, but it means you're certainly going to try it. Um, because I mean, at this point, like it's cliche, but what do you have to lose? I, I, I always look at that and say, what do you have to gain? What, what can you potentially gain that might feel better? Right. And I also go into talking a lot about my marriage, um, that I had in my twenties and remembering when that ended and how I beat myself up for marrying somebody that I knew in my gut I shouldn't have. And I talk about the moment where, you know, I was walking down the aisle and had this sick feeling in my stomach and I knew it wasn't nerves. Um, I, I knew something was off. I thought, you know, aren't people supposed to be more excited? Maybe that's just in the movies. Maybe that's just other people. This is real life, right? So, and God, all these people are here now. I have to do it. And if I could say anything to my younger self, it would be, don't do it. Um, but that being said, that's the path I chose. And so I talk a lot about my unfinished emotional business and how if we're not careful, we have a tendency to repeat our unfinished emotional business. Um, usually those are emotional patterns that we pick up in childhood and that we thought as a five, six, seven-year-old, whatever that is, 15-year-old, those coping skills may have kept you safe from whatever was going on in your life. But now that you're an adult, um, you still have this young inner child running your adult life, right? 
And I talk about how I, looking back and knowing what I know now, I, I know exactly why I married him. He was the emotional carbon copy of my biological father. And so I was triggered there. And my, my emotional memory was triggered to kind of say, oh, hey, um, we feel at home in this situation which is like so hard to wrap your head and your heart around because consciously you can say, oh my God, that doesn't make sense. But emotionally and psychologically, it actually makes a lot of sense. So, you know, I talk a lot about that in chapter two and I get pretty vulnerable about how I left, why I chose to leave and, and how I started to actually choose myself and um, get to a place where I felt good about my choices And so, you know, chapter two is really all about learning to challenge your internal dialogue, right? That little voice that chimes in throughout the day. How you speak to yourself matters. It's the foundation from which your narrative and story are created. So if it's not a good one, you're not going to create a good emotional narrative and a good story. And you're also not going to be able to make tough decisions because you'll be making them for everybody else. And, um, you know, it's important to look back and figure out where that shame and blame cycle started, how you started talking to yourself negatively. And as always, with each chapter in the book, I do have an assignment at the end um, that I, I want you to get a journal and hopefully handwrite in. And the the assignment number two, I think, is one of probably the most important slash deepest ones that I would I would challenge you to really sit quietly with for a minute Um, unless you've been thinking about these topics for a while and you know what like what you want to write and where you want to go with it but really get honest with yourself and what I challenge you to do in assignment number two is to look back to your childhood um, your previous relationships or any any difficult time in your life, right, that seems significant. And I want you to start to write down like, you know, how you coped with it, where you started to disconnect from maybe feeling worthy, where your internal dialogue went to a negative one, um, where it started to be full of like limiting mistruths and like basically how you built this emotional narrative, right? And what I, why I want you to do that, I explain a lot more in assignment number two, But I want you basically to, you know, start to look at like how this is affecting your life today and how your past built a foundation that maybe is or isn't as strong as it could be. And then we talk about ways to start to change that pattern, ways to change that emotional pattern. Because, you know, at the end of the day, here's what we know for sure. We tend to repeat in life emotional patterns much more than we repeat, say, the physical patterns. So, for example, um, and I just used this today with a client, you know, if you grew up, say, in a household where there was physical abuse, it would be pretty natural and I wouldn't be surprised to hear people say, I would never date somebody who physically hits me. That's just a non-negotiable for me. That's not okay. Well, good job, rightfully so. That being said, though, what we tend to, to skip over is are the things that we can't see, right? The things that aren't maybe tangible. And that's the emotional effects of that or maybe some emotional abuse. 
And so what happens is because your brain is always on a mission to keep you safe, right, and to protect you, it looks for ways to protect you in emotionally intense situations that could be chronic or last for a while. So let's say there was um, an emotional fallout with a relationship or your parents or something like that. And you learned that to stay, quote, I'm using air quotes, to stay safe, um, that you would just be quiet and you would shut down and hide when anybody was angry, right? And so maybe as a kid that worked, but as an adult, it doesn't work to just shut down and hide, right? And But what happens is that your brain is triggered. And so when you find somebody that's angry, right, and they yell, you you shut down, you pull inward because that's what you did as a kid. But the problem is that what's going on in your brain is your brain saying, oh, hey, oh my gosh, we know, we know what to do in this situation. Let's stay a while. This feels like home. And so then before we realize it, staying in that space that's, that continues to be emotionally abusive, your brain kind of thinks it feels like home. And so you're compelled to stay a while because you think, oh, I know how to keep myself safe in this situation. And you never break that emotional pattern. You never you never are able to look at that and say, whoa, this is why I shouldn't be here. This is what I should be doing instead. This is who I'm worthy of, right? This is who I should be looking for to date because you're stuck in those emotional patterns. So that in a nutshell is what chapter number two is about. And I'm excited for you guys to read it. Um, Other exciting news that I didn't talk about in the intro, but I want to talk about now, is the Audible's coming out. Um, The Audible is done and approved, and I'm pretty dang excited about that. Follow my Instagram at What's Next with Lisa for updates on the release. Um, But of course, with the glitch that I talked about um, in the beginning of the podcast, Because the e-reader version was all of a sudden taken down from Amazon for the last few days, um, Audible says, oh, hey, you're not the rights holder to that, so we're not going to release it, which, yes, I'm the rights holder, but um, the publisher is working on that as we speak. So as soon as it's back up on Amazon, um, the Audible will be out, and I will um, definitely update everybody on Instagram. So follow me on Instagram um, at What's Next with Lisa. I'm on Twitter. I also have a Facebook page up, which is kind of new territory for me. But um, if you're looking for me on Facebook, that is the actual name of the book. And the Facebook page I have is called It's Going to Be Great. It's Fine. I'm Fine. So you can find it there um, on Facebook as well. And I'll be posting updates. So Audible coming soon. Paperback version out December one. And I'm super excited. If you guys have questions or you're struggling with something or you want to go a bit deeper and you want me to talk about it, let me know. I'm here for you and I want this to work for you. So that being said, um, I hope you're reading on the e-reader. If you're waiting for the paperback, awesome too. I like making notes and highlighting and things like that. So I'm just doing these book club podcasts so you can either listen to them and get ready for your paperback version. You can kind of think about it as you read or you can wait and listen to them as you read. So whatever works for you guys. Um, 
If you have questions, like I said, email me at whatsnextwithlisa at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at whatsnextwithlisa or Facebook. It's going to be great. It's fine. I'm fine. Um, And thank you guys so much for listening and reading. And I hope that it's helping. So don't forget, take care of yourselves. And today is a perfect day to ask yourselves, what's next? See ya.